Hello, and thank you for listening to this Fun Board Council podcast. This is a 15-minute excerpt of our longer podcasts, and the full podcasts are available exclusively to Fun Board Council members via their member portal. If you like what you hear and you'd like to find out more about membership, please do contact us via our website at funboards.org. In the meantime, happy listening. Hello and welcome. In this session of the INED Bootcamp, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Ryan Hughes. Ryan is no stranger to most of us in the business, um, and nor is his firm AJ Bell, or I should say nor is the platform AJ Bell, which is an incredibly important distribution channel for mutual funds uh, in the UK marketplace. Um, Today we're going to talk to Ryan a little bit about assessment of value. We're going to ask Ryan some questions around the intermediary marketplace and the extent to which intermediaries are A, aware of the assessment of value process and B, what does Ryan think about the first year of AOV reports uh, and then explore a few other themes in and around assessment of value and governance within fund management. Ryan, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a pleasure. Before we start, uh, and I said you're no stranger to most of us, it might be helpful if you just gave us a very quick one or two minute summary about your particular role within AJ Bell, because AJ Bell does lots of different things. Um, yeah, ab absolutely. So I've been at AJ Bell uh, about four and a half years now and was brought in to help establish the investment uh, element of the business. Prior to that, it was uh, was a platform and operating in the platform market, but wanted to to build out an investment capability. And so over those last four years, it was my primary responsibility has been launching our first ever funds four years ago uh, and then uh, launching NPS and, and essentially becoming responsible for researching all of the, uh, the fund managers and products that we use in our investment solutions. So meeting those fund managers, looking at who's good, who's bad, talking a lot about governance, talking a lot about how asset managers are run uh, and, and really thinking about trying to uh, find best of breed managers, not just fund managers, but I'd say best of breed businesses uh, as we, we, we think it's important to focus on how they're managed, how they're operated and to ensure that they're being run in, uh, on, the, on the basis of uh, for client benefit. Prior to that, it may be interesting for viewers, I'm, I've done the full spectrum. I started off as an advisor right back over 20 years ago. I've been an advisor, I've been a DFM, I've been a wealth manager, I've been a fund manager, uh, I've worked for a life company and a platform. So I've seen end-to-end -end in, our, in our market over the last 20 years plus uh, from an intermediary side, how it operates. So uh, it's, it's really interesting now to kind of pull that all together to think about how we're, we're trying to drive better client outcomes of which assessment for value is hopefully one of those tools that the FCA will drive through and, and improve that process. Excellent, Ron. Thank you very much. In fact, I'm delighted to hear the breadth of your experience because we will draw on some of those points uh, through the rest of our conversation today. Let's let's go straight to a point which I know you feel quite strongly about. You've been on you've been on the record saying very clearly, and I think a lot of people will recognise that that the assessment of value process in year one was variable. Uh, and I think you went on to say that um, those who took it as a bit of a hospital pass for the first year are going to have to up their game a bit. But let me not put words in your mouth. Give us your assessment of what year one looked like from your vantage point. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, that's absolutely right. If we, if we go right back to 2016 with the asset management market study from the FCA, I think there was a lot of hope out of that, that, uh, that there really would drive change in the industry. And, uh, and actually that report touched on a lot of things that, that people like myself have been saying for quite a few years, that there's, 
There's too many products delivering too many poor outcomes for clients and they're being overcharged for it for the privilege. And we hope that over the forthcoming couple of years that they, those would, that would change uh, and that those issues would be driven out of the industry. One year into assessment for value, I don't really feel that too much of that has changed. There's more products now than ever. There's more product launches in 2020 than there was closures. So the universe is getting bigger, not smaller. The percentage of funds that are delivering great outcomes for clients is probably a, you know, a pretty low base. And I'm head of active portfolios uh, at AJ Bell, and I'm on record as saying that about 80% of active managers, I think, are rubbish and probably shouldn't be in their job. So I start from a very negative standpoint. And so one year on, you know, where are we today? Well, I think you know, if I was to score it as on a report card, I'd probably give it about a B minus, um, which is definitely in the could do better camp. There's been some good assessment for value reports out of there. Uh, out there, there's been some pretty bad ones, to be honest. And I think so far, the industry hasn't covered itself in glory with how it's tackled it. It feels like some of them feel like they're going through the motions. They're doing it because they have to do it, not because they want to do it, and not because it feels like they, it could drive genuine change and improve their business. Yeah, the documents are too big. They're not client-friendly. Um, yeah, there's so many things that, that could, be, uh, could be improved. And I think there's just some of the language in some of them. You know, some groups are saying they're aiming to be median. They're aiming to be in line with the median in, in, in the sector. Um, to me, that's, yeah, that's just aiming way, way too low. That is essentially just saying you're happy being average. If everyone's happy being average, nothing will ever change. I've, I have to say, I have not just read that. I've even heard uh, firms say that, you know, we're very happy to be in, in the middle of the pack. Yeah. Um, which is a little disappointing, I think, at the best of times. Given the influence that the platforms in the UK wield uh, or yield, both in terms of uh, their role within the overall distribution uh, structure and the fact that, you know, you are responsible, you as in the platforms are responsible for uh, the fortunes of so many investors, to what extent have um, has the industry, to what extent have asset management companies uh, in, in the AOV process, in the assessment of value process, engaged with yourself? I mean, you're a fund selector. You ultimately are responsible for deciding whether they get onto your platform or not. Have you had any conversations with fund managers about assessment of value? Have they come to present their assessment of value to you, for instance? Yeah, certainly no one has formally come to present their assessment of value to us uh, at all. I would say... Uh, probably the kindest way to put it is had tentative and limited discussions with a few asset managers uh, about yeah, the assessment for value after it's been finished. Yeah, at no point have we been asked for any input uh, during the process, before the process has begun at all. So I think in reality it's been very limited, um, our involvement. Now, one, one thing I, yeah, I would say, we, we, have all, we are always very, very blunt with asset managers. I, I certainly am about where I think they can do better and so before the assessment of value process started and during you know, we will highlight to asset managers where things like their administration fees are way way out of line uh, with uh, with the with the industry and way uh, that, that the fact they're not passing on economies of scale I'm always amazed that some asset managers can do this all for one or two basis points and others massive ones tell me they can't do it for anything less than 20 basis points you know, it just seems absurd. So there's, there's clear anomalies out there in, in various parts of the uh, assessment for value process. But again, it comes back to that point. If, if everyone's happy hiding in the pack, then how do you drive 
genuine change. So yeah, our engagement has been limited. Where we see what I would consider to be bad practice or, or things that can be improved, we will proactively call them out. We won't wait to be asked. We will approach asset managers to tell them that we won't use their funds because their admin fees are too expensive. I've got two or three uh, at the moment who know that very clearly from us that you know, we will not be investing in any of their products until they change their approach. You know, whether that's enough to drive change, I don't know. Uh, but I would like to think that if other people like me are, are prepared to do that, uh, and in some cases publicly, then we can get change uh, driven through these asset managers. But, you know, it's a slow process, yes. uh, unfortunately. And, and you yeah, this, know, this, we're trying to do this at a time when particularly active asset managers are trying to protect their revenue basis at exactly the same time. They're being a, attacked by the passive market, which is growing rapidly. Active management struggled for some time. Uh, and, and so it's almost like they're in revenue preservation mode uh, rather than actually, yeah, I would say, taking the, the courageous business decision, which is sometimes for the protection of your business in the long run, it's better to take some short-term pain than, than worry about protecting it you know, today or tomorrow. Yeah, that's very difficult, I think, for a lot of CEOs and CFOs and CIOs to to um, to think about when yeah, maybe they're thinking in 10 years' time, well, it won't be my problem because I won't be in this role. Uh, protecting revenue, you say, I'd, I'd add to that, protecting reputation as well. And, and you're absolutely right. I think that short-termism is, is a real concern within the industry and, and particularly within the active world, which has come in for a bit of a beating over the last, uh, as you say, in the last year or so. Yeah. Um, one of the themes that we've been developing and one of the themes that we've seen develop over the last um, several years now has been this conversation around culture, conversation around purpose, the whole issue around DNI. You know, the zeitgeist within the industry is starting to change to some extent. When fund managers come to present to you, is there more of a conversation around governance? And I don't necessarily mean governance in the outward sense about the stewardship that they're they're exercising in terms of their portfolio companies. But it seems to me, judging from what you've just said, there is a bit of a shift now where you're having more of a conversation about the way they govern themselves. Am I reading that correctly? Yeah, I, th I think that's that's right. I mean, yeah, there's obviously a couple of high profile issues in the industry over the last couple of years that I think mean it's right that we all take a step back and think about our processes and, and, and make sure we've got sufficient focus on governance at every level in, uh, in, in the asset managers that we're reviewing uh, for our clients portfolios. So you know, I, I think you know, I, I'm happy to be honest enough to admit that you know, three or four or five years ago, were we paying as much attention to governance uh, as we are today? No, uh, we weren't. And it, it has changed. And it's a good thing that it's changed. And um, you know, we, we needed to, we, I'd like to think we've got a culture of constant improvement in our team, in our business to improve our investment research process. We drive that through. Uh, and part of that means we spend more time looking at governance. I think it's also particularly relevant uh, when there are a lot more boutique, smaller asset managers uh, cropping up, uh, many of them outsourcing just about every function uh, other than maybe stock selection. Uh, and, and therefore, we need to be, have the confidence um, that they're being uh, properly outsourced to third parties that are capable of doing, doing those jobs uh, well, uh, and that the oversight that the asset manager is having on those outsourced relationships is still robust. You know, it's lovely to be able to outsource something with no responsibility, uh, but sadly, it doesn't work like that. Uh, and, and therefore, these smaller, 
smaller boutique managers, I think it's really important that we do look at you know, their governance, their governance of their outsourced uh, relationships uh, and, and, and highlight you know, risks that we think uh, might exist. Uh, and ultimately, if we're not comfortable, you know, make that decision to either disinvest if we're already invested uh, or, or, or not invest um, at all. So it is definitely a growing part, I think, uh, of, of what we do. Uh, and that's a big positive step forward, I think, uh, for our investors. That outsourced model conversation, I think, is one that we will be having for quite for quite some time yet. Um, you've been very clear about the B minus you've given reports in year one. Um, what is your expectation, or maybe hope, for year two? <laughs> uh, we we've seen now. We've analyzed. We've looked at over two hundred nod uh, reports this year. We have seen improvement even between Q one in the first quarter and towards the end of it. Are you hopeful, Ryan? I'm always hopeful. Um, uh, sadly, that means my hopes are often disappointed uh, in, in the end. But I, but I am I am hopeful uh, that things can get better uh, and will improve. I mean, I think if we look back on year one, year one felt like a little bit of a free pass. Everyone was just seeing how other you know th those people that went first had a bit of a tough uh, task, really, compared to those people that went almost twelve months later, where there's lots of different. Uh, reports to have a look at and think about what worked and what what didn't work year two now I mean the, the way I see it this is where the work really starts for for asset managers uh, and, and for the independent non-execs uh, here is this is when you need to start showing that you're serious about this yeah, this is about saying um, yeah you're not going to allow poor poor performing funds poor value funds to persist Last year, in year one, very easy to say, yeah, we recognise there's an issue and we're monitoring it and we've got a plan to deal with it. Well, year two, okay, another year's passed. The fund is still underperforming. It's still subscale. What are you actually doing about it? Because now it's going to be very hard to say we're going to give it another year of monitoring it. Year three, in all honesty, I think that becomes impossible. Yes. You're going to have to have dealt with it by that point. And I think the FCA will be looking very, very carefully uh, at this, I think they'd have been quite relaxed in year one uh, yeah. to see how it went. They will now, I'm sure, be looking for action, for things to be tackled. Where you flag things, where you have concerns, where you have worries, what are you actually genuinely doing about it uh, now? So I'm, I'm hopeful that that message is, uh, has been received and un understood um, by, asset, by asset managers uh, and that they can be more proactive uh, and, and that more subscale funds can be can be closed, uh, that, that, that asset managers realise that actually there's a competitive business advantage in not aiming to be in the middle of the pack, mm. that actually, you know, if you, if you take a, let's, let's take a Bailey Gifford example that's been known to be low cost and pass on scale to customers for years, long before assessment of value, yeah, that actually they've genuinely driven a business advantage from having that approach. There's no reason why every other asset manager can't follow a similar approach. We hoped you enjoyed that uh, 15 minute excerpt. If you did and you'd like to find out more about how you can access the full recording uh, or about FBC membership in general, please contact us via our website at funboards.org.